I am fundamentally an optimistic. Part of being optimistic is being one's head pointed towards the sun, one's feet moving forward. There were many dark moments when my faith in humanity was sorely tested, but I would not and cannot give myself up to despair. That way lays defeat and death. Words from Madiba, formerly known, formally, <laughs> not formerly, formally, the, his formal name, his real name is Nelson Mandela, but people have intimately and affectionately known him as Madiba. I thought of Survivor Joy like a place to achieve, a post-traumatic goal. For a long time, I thought about it like the other side, but I didn't account for the additional trials, you know, the additional trauma. It's a lot like sunshine. Sometimes it rains, sometimes it storms. Inevitably, night falls and we rest up so that we're up and at them for our next day of sunshine. This analogy could easily be a summer to summer theme, having to brave fall, winter and spring. Yet we eagerly and optimistically look forward to summer again. How does one stay so optimistic? in all of life's seemingly unnatural transitions. Hi, I'm Nudwin. I'm your friendly neighborhood widow. We'll get into Sela and calmly think of that. But first, turn up your volume for the reading of the warning label. Warning! Subscribing to this podcast can expose you to subjects and conversations about love, loss, physical and emotional abuse, mental health, and resilience. Your Friendly Neighborhood Widow podcast is a platform that makes room for the conversations that have been deemed taboo. This podcast is accumulation of raw and unfiltered thoughts from a domestic violence surviving widow and a guest or two. Side effect may include unexpected anger, inspiration, self-esteem boost, and laughter so strong you may pee your pants. An open mind and a change of undergarments are suggested but not required. And if you deem it necessary, please consult a therapist before listening. Thanks for joining. According to biblical research, the word salah means to take pause, to calmly consider. I spoke of natural transitions. Transitions like day into night or night into day, into a new month, into a new year, birth. And although this one is probably the toughest transition to accept death or loss of a loved one. It's also one of the many, and I'm going to say air quote, natural, air quote, traditional transition there are. We found a way to celebrate most beginnings and most ends. We even hear less of funerals and we hear more of celebrations of life. In theory, we welcome change and transitions. We decorate our new our homes for new seasons. We do back to school shopping. We do spring cleaning. We even join a gym for that summer body. We attend school graduations, weddings, baby showers, funerals. In theory, we accept the change. Now in practice, transitions are a beast of their own, from jitters to anxiety to grief. I will always remember the amount of grief we were consumed by as teens on the last day of school. We would close our bags five minutes early, eagerly and joyfully waiting for a 20-second countdown. And while it started off exciting by the eighth second to the end of the countdown, reality will sink in and that transition would settle in. Life was no longer going to be as we knew it. No matter how much time we've had to prepare to say goodbye to friends and go on our summer breaks, something about closing off an old chapter, an old routine, and starting a new one, something about that would pinch our heart. 
for those of us in international schools, we always face the reality of a new group of friends next year. In the coming year, we didn't really know what was expected because, you know, quite, turnaround was quite high. So I can probably understand why for me in, the, in that environment, that transition was a little tougher. But still, I think you can relate to that pinch, you know, at the end of the school year. Comfort can be such a setback. And I don't think people ever really think about that. My friend Carelli Pampoloni said that to me this week. Comfort can also be a liberating tool, though, when we successfully and tact- tactily use it. This is obviously so much easier when we talk about natural transitions because we calmly and comfortably accept a vacation from work, for example, because of the certainty that it's temporary. And knowing that we already are experts in the challenges that are coming once we come back from work, we're not afraid of what that transition back to work is necessarily going to be like. We are used to the traffic. We know all the shortcuts to get to work. We even know how to swing, you know, morning coffee before going into that meeting, which we do every week, which we just understand. We just need a little break. And so even the excitement of going on vacation, there's nothing worrisome about that. Because you know that after vacation, after the rest, you come back and you've not lost anything. You're taking a break. So even an expected transition can seem so easy or it can present some challenges. So I talk often about grief. And when I say grief, most people and most minds go to death, to loss of a loved, loss of a loved one. But I could add moving to a new town to a new country, a new city, following your dreams, falling in love, starting a new job, starting a new relationship, leaving an abusive environment. While we wish for the same optimism that we have awaiting Christmas morning or the first day of spring or for our plane to touch down on our vacation destination, jitters and anxiety are always first to show to the party when we come to what sometimes I will label as those big transitions. And I call them big transitions because I feel like they're they're the least easy to manage or to accept or um, to be optimistic about. More specifically, in that moment during which we have completely left the comfort zone and the new normal hasn't settled in yet. You know, that, that space. I'll compare it to standing on a bridge and not being able to see forward, but being unable to walk backwards. The discomfort of not knowing what's ahead, it just gives place for doubt. Sometimes, oftentimes, most times, (laughs) self-doubt. As a believer of Christ, this is when faith in my life gets fully activated. This optimistic attitude that Madiba talked about, refusing to give into despair, Because uh, surely we're in a direction, we're headed towards a goal. And while it may take time to arrive, while it may take time for the fog to dissipate, while it may not look like so clear from afar, we can be optimistic that it will. And in that moment, in that moment where we don't know yet, in that moment where we're no longer in the comfort zone, but we're not there to our destination yet, we can pause and we can reflect. See, despair, though, isn't alone. 
There are many triggers in this space. And that would leave room for anxiety. And anxiety mm-hmm. leaves room for the need for control. As a survivor, not often enough and not soon enough have I seen this space as a place of rest. A place in which I can look back and really see how much I've accomplished spiritually, emotionally, physically. I haven't taken the time soon enough to look at it and say, oh my gosh, is this a rest spot? (laughs) On this long highway to my goals, is this my rest spot? Is this where I get to sit down a little, go to the vending machine, get a snack, maybe take a little tinkle? Is this the place? Is this the place from which I have the time to count my blessings? I've often said in my podcast that a lot of the things that I say when it comes to post-traumatic life, post-traumatic growth, the things that I've figured out, the tools that I've picked up, I often call them easier said than done. I would say, I know it's easier said than done, but da-da-da-da-da-da-da, do this, do that. (laughs) But the point of this podcast, I thought it was through my testimony to encourage us all to make it comfortable, to make this these spaces, to make these easier said than done things just easy. These things that we call taboo conversations, big morsels in our plates, this those tough things to chew on. We just want to tenderize the crap out of that and make it easy. So I'm not denying that transitions transitions, ooh, transitions are huge. I can't deny that. But I want to step away from a place where I'm I'm constantly affirming transitions as scary, affirming transition as my Goliath. I am walking away from a place where it's too big, it's giant, it's scary. I think that I want to talk of a feeling where transitions are that, they're transition. They're a beast, sure enough. But I don't have to accept my being intimidated by it, right? So I was reading a ton of, and of like looking for quotes, looking for encouraging words about optimism and hardship and big transitions. You know, whether it's a personal testimony from someone else or my own words that I've written before, something that I've written to someone else in a conversation, um, because I I feel like sometimes I, I'm super insightful when I'm a, in a different place in my personal development. And then when I'm hit with a transition, when I hit with some kind of grief, then for a moment there, I think, ah, oh, transitions, hardship, transition, hardship, and focus on that rather than transition, manageable transition, optimism. So... Even in my daily Bible reading, I just find a lot of incredible words about transitions. Do not be afraid. Be anxious for nothing. Keep keep faith alive. Be optimistic. Salah. And call me think of that. We talk, you know, we talk or I talk or I think of these personal particular stories in which you can find the heart to truly pause and truly reflect. And I'm thinking of people's personal testimonies. I'm thinking of times before where I overcome 
hardship. I'm reading the Bible. I'm thinking of these people like Nelson Mandela. And you're reading these stories and you're like, um, so where did all the optimism come from? Because that's a lot of hardship. Stuff's hard. Stuff's heavy. How did you do that? Could it be faith in yourself? Faith in God? Thinking about all transition you've already managed. Every day you do. Every day you achieve. You go to bed looking forward to resting so that you can take on the next day fully recharged. Why do we go into this transition with so much optimism? The other transitions are so much tougher and we see them so much bigger. On a bigger scale, and that's completely relative to your own experience. It could be the last day of school or it could be getting a puppy, relocating, starting a new family, buying a home, whatever that bigger scale. I should probably say on a bigger feelings, on a absolutely unknown, on a never been there before, on a what am I going to do scale. We can have faith that we are headed towards something that also can be conquered. Just like the 24 hours we just lived. Just like whatever else we've accomplished and conquered before. From experience, we know, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if it doesn't make sense, we know that we can handle the unknown. Because we face the unknown daily. Now, fear will always attempt of making its space, you know, grief will always attempt of making its own little, you know, camping ground. But where there's fear, there's no room for rest. For those of us who've transitioned out of chaos, I'm talking about me raising my hand here, domestic violence, surviving widow. There's this big wish not to return, not to return to chaos, not to return to the ideologies we believed in. The wish is so big that change almost comes in as a trigger. But you know, wherever there's triggers, there's room for introspection. There's room for trigger management. And these are huge keys to nurturing while I talk about survivor joy. Wait a minute. Let's pause right here. Your Friendly Neighborhood Widow podcast is a monthly podcast. This season, I am focused on sharing about normalizing survivor joy and what that actually entails from the comfort of my own experience. This podcast continues to talk about love, loss, domestic violence, and resilience, all from the perspective of my own post-traumatic life. If you want to know what that looks like, follow me, your host, at L-U-D-W-I-N-E dot J-O-H-N-S-O-N, and that's at Johnson on Instagram, or your Friendly Neighborhood Widow podcast on Facebook. Find the link in the podcast information. You're welcome to join me to chat about how you experience normalizing survivor joy in your experience. Just send me a DM and let's warm up the mic. Remember to subscribe and share if you love this episode. For you, the Apple Podcaster listener, be sure to like and to leave a message so that more survivors get to join our community. Now, back to this episode, shall we? Salah moments are deliberately created. They are moments of full surrender to that calm after the storm. I was convinced that transitions are meant to be hard. And truthfully, they require a big amount of mound renewal. That's true. 
But I've also come to realize that we can take advantage of the calm after the storm to quietly sit with ourselves, get free. When you're on your way to achieving a goal, it may feel as though it has to be this constantly active space. And in a way, it is and it will be. But time and the timing of life is very much out of our control. And while results take their own time, their own path, we can be optimistic that our labor will pay off and we can do so calmly, reflecting and appreciating how far we've already come and that we've already accomplished before so much and 100% taking advantage of surrendering to the moment of rest. All that worrying energy, all that can be stored somewhere else for the high on the other side of the transition. If you're finding yourself on that bridge, unable to see ahead and unable to walk backwards, continue to walk forward, reflecting on how far you've already come. Salah and calmly think of that. We'll talk later, okay? Thank you.